do you know what? God spoke to us about devoting ourselves to worship and prayer sometime when we were just praying about this year, back into last year as elders and as the vision management team. And he clearly, clearly said, you've got to give yourself to worship and prayer. So that's what we've been doing. But guess what? Everywhere we touch all around the world, God's been saying the same thing to them. It's happening in all kinds of places. And some of you, I'm sure, will be aware because it's all over social media media now of the Asbury Revival, Awakening Revival. If not, look it up. Uh, it's certainly been massive on TikTok because it's affecting, it's a, it's a university college <coughs> in the US. It's affecting 25s and unders particularly, but literally thousands of people have been praying all day and worshipping all day and all night. Last I looked for like 11 days, like non-stop 24, well 24-11 so far, isn't it? Isn't that incredible? And there's, but there's just a sense of God's presence creating, being magnetic and creating hunger and devotion uh, amongst people who are then willing to spend all their day or all their night just before him. And there's repentance and people are getting healed and it's just rolling and rolling and rolling. Um, so that's a beautiful thing that's happening. And there's other examples of that breaking out around the world. So I think we maybe heard right. It's a season for worship and prayer. And we've been doing our own uh, worship times on Saturday nights, which have been amazing. And, and last night he spoke to us, and uh, it's going to somehow weave into the message today, which is on prayer. This is our third message on prayer. Um, but he spoke to us about the banqueting table out of Psalm 23. And, <clears throat> you know, I've been a Christian a really long time. I've heard Psalm 23 so many times but this came with such freshness and and power and uh, <laughs> he just said that there's a banqueting table and what what was what the, the the line before it says in the presence of your enemies I've prepared the table for you and, and certainly the western church has experienced such a time of conflict difficulty you know through COVID and all other things it felt it's felt like a pressure against the church for a long season and yet here's the father saying in that season I've already prepared a banqueting table for you I'm a good dad and Steve actually then lead us into the saying how good the father was I'm like yeah he's a good dad when when it's tough when things are kind of working against us you know what dad's already made a banqueting table for us to feed on and um, it was just joyous to to feast at that table and uh, so he, it's still there, it's still there for you, and his banner over us is love. So we're going to talk this week, um, this is our third message, uh, about prayer. And I really want to talk about when you feel like you're not getting any answers or all the answers you're getting are the wrong ones. Um, so <clears throat> I'm assuming that in that, that you are praying and that you understand that prayer is a lot more than just making requests. And I think Joe... Mummery did a great job of saying, look, we're not into a transactional idea of prayer, but it's relationship. Prayer is really a word that covers a whole lot of things in terms of our interaction with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's where we give thanks. It's where we listen. It's where we request. It's where we worship. It's where we intercede for others. It's, it, it, it's a whole, it, it's a coverall word for all of that and more than I have time to talk about today it's it's praying in the spirit it's speaking in tongues all under this banner uh, word of prayer and uh, I want us to understand 
if, if you like, a source of our inspiration for prayer, but also sometimes a source of our frustration in prayer. And I want us to read in John 15. So if you could turn there in your Bible device or your actual paper thing, uh, you know, those old things called books, um, that would be excellent. And uh, I'm going to read John 15, and we're just going to go through 1 through to verse 8 for the sake of context. It's amazing verses in the Bible, as usual. In fact, usually when I read it, they're all amazing verses. Have you noticed that? Even the confusing ones are amazing. Um, So here we go, John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that bears fruit he prunes. And I'm reading NIV just for your information, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you, Uh, This is quite important that you catch this. Remain in me as I also remain in you. So the deal is not if you remain. Jesus isn't saying if you remain in me, then I'll remain in you. He's saying I'm remaining in you, so remain in me. And we covered that a lot last week about this indwelling of God in us and his love touching us everywhere and in every place and embracing us everywhere and every place even the places we don't like to speak about the sore places the dark places the broken places his love embraces all of us and nothing can separate us from his love that's what he's saying here in shorthand is I'm abiding in you so abide in me it's not conditional it's unconditional No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like branches that are thrown away and and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you, now this this is the, verse really to kick off from anyway if you remain in me remember he's already remaining in us if you remain in me and and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you flip in heck did you read that to ask whatever you will and it will be done with you. It's one done for you. And it goes on. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There's a if you and there's a few what I call blank check verses. And I realise as I was prepping this, I'm like, we don't write checks anymore. But I think it's just about current enough to know what that means. It's like, here's a check. God already signed on the bottom. You fill in the amount. Ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. And then we do it and then it doesn't work and we're like, eh? But it's understand, we need to understand and I guess we spend our walk with Jesus figuring this out, which is what does it mean for me? He is already in me. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. How and what does it look like for me to be the abiding in the one who's abiding in me and letting his words remain in me because that's the that's the environment and the atmosphere inside of me and in my entwining relationship with the father son and spirit in that context I can ask whatever is in my heart and he's going to do it but 
we're not all the way there yet. Amen? Well, maybe you are. I'm just looking at some awesome people. But you know what I'm saying. So we're always in his love. We're always, we, nothing can separate us from his embrace, his abiding. His, abiding is another word for living. So it's not just kind of, it, it, this is something dynamic and full and fruitful. He's living inside of us. And we're working on this thing called praying and asking in a relational, intimate context, not in a transactional, I have my list context. Okay, got that? So what, what goes on here? <laughs> how, do we, how do we keep this going when we ask for things that don't appear to happen or they have not happened how we thought? or they just haven't happened at all? How how do we we deal with the incredible tension that a promise like that creates inside of us? Okay, so let's not be foolish about this. It creates a point of tension. Here's, Here's a blank check promise, and here's life experience. And so often, the two don't touch as much as we would want them to. Is that... You're all looking at me like, Never happens to us, you know, all our prayers are answered, we have no tension in our life, you know. Any anybody with me here? Just just okay, thanks. Um so to abide in him, it's asking something of us to let his word abide in us. So that means the things that he has I'll look this up. It's the things that he has spoken. The word there is, what, is, what has he spoken to you? Now, he speaks to us, to us through the Bible. He speaks to us promises. He also speaks to us prophetically. And if we weigh those words properly, we should take them seriously and cling on to them. But he's saying, actually, as we let these words that he's spoken to us abide in us, that's one of the key things to grow in in order for this relational thing called prayer to be more and more fruitful in our experience. All right? Okay, how, how can we do that? One of the big things to do is not allow the disappointment. So in the tension, there is disappointment. In the waiting, there is frustration. In the, the answer doesn't look like I thought it should look, there is confusion. And in the middle of disappointment, confusion, and frustration, our goal has to be to let the words that he spoke keep abiding in us because that's important for us to create a space going forward where we see increased fulfillment. Does that make sense? So we, we all experience this, we're all on this journey, and we get, we get opportunities to check out, like to ditch, ditch the process at any point, because we all have things that challenge what we hoped would happen with the cold, harsh reality of a Monday morning, or a disaster in our life, or a whatever. Okay? I'm still talking to the right people. Okay, thanks. <clears throat> One of the things the church, I think, has mistakenly done is replaced the idea of, of um, 
hope or with disappointment. And so when we read this proverb, which I'll read to you, we've not got time to look it up. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing or a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. Okay, this, the proverb thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Desire fulfilled is the tree of life. And the tree of life is actually a reference to the, the garden and to Jesus. He is the tree of life inside of us. And, but note that it's not disappointment that makes the heart sick. And, and, and I'm actually teaching this out of an excellent book written by someone I know quite well. I have a few copies with me if you're new to Hope Church and haven't read the book, the book what I wrote. Oh, it's called Relentless Hope, Supernatural Christianity Establishing a New Normal. And disappointment is probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks we have to navigate. <clears throat> so notice, hope deferred makes your heart sick. Doesn't say disappointment makes your heart sick. Disappointment can make your heart sick if disappointment causes us to defer our hope but it's not automatic but many of us believe it is because what we read that and think about is I'm disappointed therefore I've got a sick heart it doesn't have to be that way what sickens our heart is the loss of hope which can be the fruit of disappointment but doesn't have to be and there's a link there that in order for his word to abide in us, we need to break that automatic link that seems to happen inside of us. <laughs> Hope deferred is an interesting phrase, isn't it? It's like if you're struggling to pay your mortgage, you can often defer the payments. <clears throat> Do you know what that means? It means, well, I'm going to defer them for three months. That means I don't have to pay it for three months but I still have to pay. Yeah? And what hope deferred means is exactly that. It's like, this is, I can't afford this hope today, so I'm going to put off the day to, when I have to hope to a day that looks easier to hope. Okay, so paying my mortgage, I don't have enough in the bank to pay the mortgage today. So I'll deal with the building society or the bank, and I'll ask, can I defer the repayment for three months? Because what I'm trusting is by the time three months is up, I'll have enough in my account to pay the mortgage. Is it? So deferred hope is like, well, I've got no hope for that today. I'm going to put it off to a time when I think I might have some. And that makes our heart sick. <laughs> if we can learn to sustain our hope in times of disappointment, 
We are creating an environment inside ourselves that a better future can be birthed in. Hope's got the power to fashion a place inside you where future desires can, and promises can actually be fulfilled. Even if you can't believe, now believe is really close to hope and believe is a strong conviction it's going to happen. It's the guarantee inside you that something's going to take place. If you can keep hope going when faith is weak, it's like an incubator. You know if a baby is small and can't breathe well and, but it's born and if they put it in an incubator it protects it and then the baby goes strong. Hope's like the incubator for your faith. But if you ditch hope because of disappointment, then faith also has nowhere to get incubated if hope stays alive inside us then faith grows there's a space inside you that starts to believe and the things that you believe in can still happen because you're incubating them on the inside for some future thing so what you're doing for the future is not putting off when you're going to hope it's just still believing for what you hope for So how, how, do we, how do we do this? Because so, we seem to be in our earthliness so wired just to go, oh, I'm so disappointed. And you have to process loss well. Like, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You have to process it well, but processing it well that leads to this sort of uh, heart condition is actually not processing it well at all. That is actually damaging to your walk with the Lord which we'll maybe talk about in a second. In my experience, there's really one solution, and it's the love of God. So 1 Corinthians 13 should definitely not be just said at marriages and weddings. It says it, love always protects all... Listen, what love does. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes and always perseveres. So love has a very robust character to it. Love is, 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 not, is expressed in kindness and expressed in, in, in lovely things, but it's also robust because it keeps trusting, it keeps hoping, and it always perseveres. So perseverance is the keeping going when all the signs are looking back. There's something about the love of God that has the capacity to overwhelm our disappointment and keep us in hope without any of the things around us actually changing. And, and I remember years ago we had a, an Annus Horribilis as a church. It was around 2007 into 2008. So many things, dreadful things happened, which I do not want to go into right now. But it, it was, just trust me, it was bad. And I ended up in a bad place and then uh, Jan Treadgold gave me a CD of Jesus Culture Worship I think I think she copied it or something <laughs> and then she copied it for me completely righteously I may add <laughs> or was it no, anyway so I, I put this it was Jesus Culture and I even wrote the wrong name on it so it was Kim Walker I put her down as Kim somebody else on this thing I got, you know, I didn't know who they were. I put it in my 
CD player. I had a CD player in the car back then. It tells you how long ago it is. And I'm listening to this worship and I'm like, this is incredible. So take it home, put it on the CD player in the back of our house. I know none of the songs, but I start worshiping to them, having an encounter with God. And then this refrain comes on that says, his love makes it worth it all. And I'm like, I can't sing that because it's not true. I'm feeling so sick about all of this. His love is definitely not making this worth it all. But somehow, I, I, at this moment, I can just say, but God, because I don't know how this happened, but I managed to get out of myself the phrase, his love makes it work, worth it all. And at that point, it was game over. I was literally flooded with the love of God at a level I'd never, in all my years then as a believer, I'd never experienced. And suddenly, it's like I started to get my hope back because his love really was so much better than anything I'd lost. I think that's what went on. His love is just so much better than anything you've lost. And that's hard to believe until you've actually received it but it's the truth. And his love can, because love keeps hoping, it puts hope back inside of you. You can be healed up from any kind of loss in a deeply profound, beautiful way. You don't have to deny it's there. You just have to get to that place of going, your love makes it worth it all. Honestly, sometimes it's hard to say, but it's a place to step into um, so get healed of disappointment and then the second thing is to let his, his word abide in us and not let this slippery slope into disappointment affect our relationship with God and, 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 and uh, our prayer life is don't submit to pat answers Christians are full of them it's like it's not working out you know, we've said this, we believe this, he said this to me, and it's not worked out our thoughts. So maybe, they say this in football as well, but we also have it in religion. It's like, well, it, maybe it just wasn't to be. What we're saying then is, is like, maybe it wasn't God's will is a more spiritual way of saying maybe it wasn't to be. But if he genuinely spoke to you, then it was, is always meant to be and will always be meant to be. Waiting and difficulty are in the package, beloved. I'm sad to say, but promises are tested. The, 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 the beauty and the challenge is in the hanging on. It wasn't to be. Or, or worse is maybe I didn't have enough faith. So we kind of guilt trip ourselves. That kind of, if I'd only prayed more, fasted more, sung another worship song, read a, went to a different conference, then it would have happened and we kind of guilt trip ourselves. That's also very damaging and very intuitive. We think that's just how you are. Don't do it. Be counterintuitive. Don't give way to these kind of thoughts. Or the other one is, well, there's just too much demonic opposition. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. There is demonic opposition. I'm not denying that. There is sadness. There are challenges. I'm not denying that. But don't do this. The tension created by incredible promises, promises of great things, 
and the waiting and the trials and sometimes the difficulties to get there create something powerful inside of us if we're willing to go through the pool. And heaven's realities do not fit our earthly boxes with any real degree of comfort, to be honest. Because we've made him so small and so in control, so controlled by us that at times he needs to stretch, break, expand, blow up the boxes we are trying to put him into. So living a counterintuitive life is part of growing as a believer who's going to be who's going to enjoy abiding in Jesus and letting his word abide in us. All right? So that's uncomfortable, but we need to take care of our heart because if we do not this heart sickness looks like we get bitter with God, we get we doubt his faithfulness and we get bitter with other people. I've seen this happen over and over again. And it's absolutely caustic. And there are many people not in church, not walking with Jesus. And the bottom line is somewhere, and they won't admit it, but somewhere they got bitter with the church, with people, or with God, or a mixture of both because it didn't work out, I thought. Take care, beloved. We, are, we have a responsibility to look after our insides with the help of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Okay, so don't submit to pat answers. And connected with that is learning to hope when it's hopeless. Learning to hope when it's hopeless. I have lots of favorite verses in the Bible. I'm not sure I should say this is a favorite verse. It's certainly a life-shaping verse in my experience. It's Romans 4 and 18. It says this. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. So remember, we're, we're in the business of letting his word abiding us. His word and his promise and it, it creates dreams and expectations and desires inside of us. And the idea is that we preserve that and we stay in that place even when it's not happening around us or to us. And that staying in that place creates an environment inside us, a hope inside us where that faith can flourish and at some point in the future, the very thing we're dreaming of is actually burst and manifest into the reality of our lives. But when we jettison it, we, it's like what, we stop incubating the seed, we stop incubating the word. And Abraham had learned somehow against all hope to keep hoping. What does that mean? He didn't defer his hope, although everything around him was saying that he should. Does that make sense? 
So against all hope. So why, why do we say that? We use him as an example a lot, him and Sarah, because he'd been promised to be this father of many nations, but he had no children and his wife was barren. So they'd gone through every single month that is something going to happen and then it doesn't. Is something going to happen and then it doesn't. Is something going to happen and then it doesn't. So they'd gone through who knows how long the cycle of disappointment that nothing was happening. But there's this promise. And then Sarah gets so old that she's not having her time of the month anymore. So they're not going through that cycle, but they still have a hope and a word that she's going to have a child. And now, well, you know, the biology is, time has moved on in her biology, and she's just going, you know, I don't have the wherewithal for this to happen. And that's after many years of, could it be this month? No, it isn't. Could it be this month? No, it isn't. Could it be this month? But God said we're going to have lots of kids. Could it be this month? No. Could it be this month? And now we're at the point where I can't even have kids. Against hope. Against hope. In hope, he believed. And so became... Do you see? The miracle got, the miracle baby came more than 20 years after the promise. After a Cycle after cycle after cycle after cycle of it not working, not working, not working, not working, not working. Against all hope, in hope, he believed. And I believe she believed. And what do you know? The thing they hoped for supernaturally happened in their life. And Abraham through the birth of Isaac, became the father of many nations. Isn't that amazing? Guys, that's amazing. That's incredible. Sometimes we just have to be willing to feel a bit stupid for carrying on. Because all the arguments are saying, the external arguments, the circumstantial arguments are saying, nah, don't be an idiot. I always remember John Wimber, some of you know who that is, who's an incredible Christian leader from the 80s and 90s, talked about his conversion. And one of the stories he told is he walked... A guy was standing in the street preaching the gospel with a sandwich board on. And on one side it says, I'm a fool for Christ, quoting out of the New Testament. I'm a fool for Christ. And this is before 
John Wimber is saved and he walks past and says, yeah, you are standing there you know, making a fool of yourself. But on the other, as he walked past, the other side of the sandwich board said, and whose fool are you? Yeah, Lord. You have promises, don't you? You have you all have promises from God. You all have promises that haven't happened yet, don't you? Can we have a promise resurrection morning? Can we have a not deferring our hope moment? Can we do that? We don't have to do it on your own. The resurrection life, we sang it. What a, what a thing. You can't be killed. You can't die. The promise can't die. Hope can't die. Faith can't die because the one who died is now alive in you. It doesn't half help our prayer life when our hope life comes alive. We start to pray more confident prayers rather than vague ones. We start to zero in on the things that are really important. We start to be confident before the throne of grace for the things we need in the time of help, in the time that we need help. So guys, I'm going to ask you to join in the resurrection this morning because it's already he's already resurrected inside you and some of those things that you maybe maybe you've given up on new hope is being birthed today new hope is being birthed today because whatever he said is still true and he wants you to abide in the promise the prophetic word the scripture that he gave you it's time to line up with it afresh and let that hope spring up inside you Nothing to do with how life is actually going at all. Be stupid enough to believe God even when everything else says you shouldn't do it. Hello? That's really what, that's the sum of this message, I guess, is let's just all be stupid for Jesus and believe what he says no matter how many things have gone wrong that say something else. No matter how long they've gone wrong for because his word can abide is abiding in us and he wants it to abide in us so that it fulfills the very thing that he sent it to do there's resurrection life in the room today there's resurrection life in your heart today and and think just going to take a moment have a think of a of a promise that maybe is like well I kind of tried to forget about that because it was too uncomfortable coming back now take a moment think of one and then we're just going to ask Holy Spirit to help us as we respond. All right? To think of one or ten. So Holy Spirit, we ask your help right now to bring uh, fresh hope to the promises that you made us. Uh, maybe as couples or as individuals or communities, however they are, businesses. Lord, we, we ask you, Holy Spirit, uh, for resurrection of hope. Lord, we're saying we're, we're willing to be stupid enough to believe you again. 
And if you have a specific thing that you can go, yeah, that's what I'm going after today, that's getting resurrected today, I'd like you to stand. Because I believe in that action, something's going to fire off inside of you. You said, I'm willing to be stupid enough to believe God. That sounds terrible. But you know what? I've tr- spent a lot of time trying to explain this. And this is business with, with the Holy Spirit inside of you. is breathing fresh life inside of you on the promises he made to you. Some of them may have been yesterday. Some of them may have been 20 years, 30 years ago. In him, it makes no difference. They're all current, fresh, and alive. Thank you, Lord. I pray for that fresh, fresh hope, fresh hope, living hope by the love of God. I pray every place that's been wounded, every place that has been, uh, feels like it's not worth it, that your love would flood hearts because your love is amazing at making it worth it all. Renew that hope, Lord. Renew that faith by the power of the Holy Spirit working within us because we can't be killed because of Jesus Christ, God's Son, creator and sustainer of all things, ruler of heavens and the earth, defeater of the enemy, light and life in all of creation lives inside of us. You can't kill us. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Life to those promises, God. Amen. I'm going to ask you to sit down and I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. This is a season of worship and prayer like no other in the body of Christ around the world. It's not just how I feel about this. This is something the Holy Spirit is doing, particularly in the Western church, and he wants to catch you up into that move right now so I'm going to ask you to stand one more time for one more thing and I don't want you to do it for me I want you to do it for Jesus and that's simply to stand and say I recommit myself to a life of worship and prayer I I commit myself not my neighbor all right just take a moment don't just do it because I said please But if you feel, yeah, I'm going to go after this thing again called prayer and worship. I'm going to go after it again. Just stand before the Lord this morning. Lord, you know our hearts. You know where we're at. You know what we struggle with. Uh, But you really are the one that we love with everything we have. And so we worship you today and we just rededicate ourselves to giving time to pray. And worship you. Amen.